Perspectives on a Pandemic is the project and original work of Alex Lambert, bringing a variety of voices on our current global situation. It is a production of the Sager Broadus Gallery Artists in Residence program in KBIA. Bun Lai is a world-renowned chef and leader in the sustainable food movement. His family restaurant, Mia's Sushi in New Haven, Connecticut, was the first sustainable sushi restaurant in the world. As an educator and writer, Lai has contributed significantly to the sustainable food movement and is the recipient of numerous awards, including the Champion of Change Award. Please welcome Bun Lai. How are you? Good. You look fantastic. Yeah, so do you. Well, you're out in a farm. It's beautiful there. Yeah, man. It is uh, invigorating here. So I've been thinking about you, and I was thinking, you know, I think it would be a really important thing to talk about what you do and and sure. how it's been affected and, and how people can think about that in this mm -hmm. time. So I guess I wanted to just, yeah, like talk, start by just, even though I know what you do, talking yeah. a little bit about... Um, what you do as a chef and but also as an environmentalist and also as an activist and and yeah. then from there i wanted to talk about it during the pandemic yeah so as a chef uh uh you know i, I took uh, i jumped into my mom's restaurant when i was still in my early 20s to just help out i didn't uh plan on becoming a chef uh i started cooking uh in my mid-20s which is uh a good half century ago, time flies. I grew up around New Haven, uh, playing in the woods here, going fishing all the time, drag netting. I was definitely a, a, a nature kid. And uh, my mom grew up in the countryside of Japan, so she taught me how to forge as well. So our sushi that we do at my mom's restaurant called Mia's, which is the first sushi bar in, in, in Connecticut is not conventional. It started off as a very traditional restaurant, uh, but today it's evolved into something that uh, pays homage to, to nature. So we're the first restaurant uh, in the space of sushi to make uh, sustainability a fundamental part of how we create recipes. And uh, where I am right now is at the farm, but uh, we're not uh, your usual farm. We focus on weeds and invasive species. That's important because today, much of the environmental uh, problems that we have are related to our food system, and much of the uh, social uh, problems that we have are also related to our food system on so many different levels. And Eating weeds and invasive species and other more sustainable species is about changing our perspective, changing the way we're used to doing things. And uh, at Mia's over the last couple decades, uh, I've been creating everything from a vast plant-based sushi menu to a, a menu that is invasive species or sustainable seafood focused, which, isn't, which is completely different than what exists uh, today in the world. Can you talk about how it's different a little bit? So today, sushi is a seafood-based cuisine. And the bedrock of, of sushi is, is tuna. So if you go to a sushi restaurant, you expect it to have tuna, um, salmon, eel, yellowtail. But the most popular types of, uh, of ingredients are actually 
the most destructive of the environment and not necessarily the healthiest for us to eat too. So with us, we're, we're talking about other types of ingredients. So we don't have uh, tuna uh, at the restaurant, for example. We don't have eel because eel populations have uh, plummeted uh, 90% uh, you know, uh, over the last half century. Instead, we have uh, invasive uh, carp, lionfish, um, uh, as uh, animal proteins, uh, insects, uh, such as black soldier flies that we raise on our leftovers, uh, invasive plants, and organic plants uh, as well. So in a lot of ways, it's not recognizable to someone who expects it to be a certain way. But to those people who are used to things being a certain way, it's important to understand that uh, traditions change all the time. And uh, the culture of food has been evolving all the time. And when you think about food through the lens of the history of sushi, sushi was not a ocean-based cuisine. It was a cuisine that developed along rivers where rice first began in China. So it's unrecognizable to what it is today. Right. And when you talk about sushi today, it's an internationalist cuisine, meaning the seafood that you're eating is not coming from your backyard anymore like it used to. And that's just how we eat today as well. Right. And these are issues that are directly connected to the issues that we're facing today. So that's so I'm interested. This is something you've been both studying and educating people on for decades. And yep. now we have this kind of, uh, you know, layers of global problems that we're all mm -hmm. living through. And I'm interested in both how your work relates to and affects that, and also how, how the pandemic and, and current like moment in time affects your work. Yeah, it's, uh, man, it's something that I've, uh, I've been uh, thinking about, which is that, uh, interestingly, in the beginning of the year, we already, way before this year began, we already decided to close Mia's. And then this pandemic hit, and... And then there's all these restaurants that are suffering and closing because they have to close, which made our closing much more special. So because why we, I chose to close was because I wanted more time in order to work on these ideas that have to do with environmental justice and social justice because they go hand in hand. And I just felt that I'd put in so much time into Mia's and it, since it's all engrossing, if I didn't close Mia's, I wouldn't have time to do the other things. So we're still sticking to the closing of it, but because of this pandemic, we've had the opportunity to, to make a lot of food to share with the community, with, uh, with, with people uh, who wouldn't have access to this kind of food, especially right now. So for about a month and a half, half the food that we were doing has been done gratis. And that's been incredibly fulfilling. Um, a lot of times I've, been, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to deliver the food. So I've had incredible experiences. It reminds me of um, William Carlos Williams' memoir, A Doctor's Story, where he's making house calls. And I just have so many incredible experiences just through that. We've been talking about the pandemic. We also have these protests and we have this other yeah. need happening. Yeah, so 
so much of our the the recipes that I have aren't only based on the environment. Yeah. But a part of the approach is uh, using food as a way of telling stories about different cultures and about people. So I've got I've got recipes inspired by African Americans, Native Americans. You know, we have uh, we've put so sustainability is such a serious matter. We've actually made a lot of it really humorous too. You know, I've created like this fantastical world of. And this uh, one of our cocktails that we have is called Dragon Lady Sake, and it's a it's about it's inspired by lesbian um, pirates of the Japan Sea, and they never existed. I feel like the changes that uh, I've committed to making happening during these revolutionary times, while it's exhausting because of the constant anxiety of of all of this around us. And I'm not really even talking just about the business, but really just the the zeitgeist of of all this. I also feel like, man, like all these all these things that we've been working on in the kitchen at Mia's and thinking about in, in that little restaurant is now kind of in line with with all these movements, you know, that are happening from the Me Too movement to the climate protests to Black Lives Matter, you know, and this. Yeah. A really tumultuous and electric uh, uh, political environment too. You you were mentioning earlier the direct relationship between the environmentalism and the current pandemic. The the current pandemic is happening um, because of our um, treatment of animals. So when you're talking about these these wet markets, these wet markets aren't a Chinese or Asia or third world thing. We have the equivalent, you know, which is uh, the industrial farming of animals that we do, which is equally as cruel and, and, and unusual um, and inhumane as the wild animals that uh, Chinese or other people around the world are eating and caging up. So long as we are blind and choose to be blind as to how we choose to live impacts other living things that includes people you're always going to have epidemics you're always going to have pandemics you're always going to have revolutions that happen you're always going to have social violence you know and uh they all kind of run parallel courses they all exist within worlds where injustice and inequality thrive yeah, and uh, and of course, you know the food justice movement is is a very big thing. So, I'm constantly thinking about uh, how to make the food that we have much more accessible. Uh, I think you might have even seen it a menu called sushi for the masses. You know, so three dollar sushi, and the idea was that you can go and get something from McDonald's for about three bucks, or you can get something with whole grains with that's actually nourishing for you and the planet for the equal amount. And we did that for years and years and years. And part of what we're doing today is when we close Mia's, we'll be open for special events, but we'll also do collaborations around the world where, for example, we can do a Mia's in another ecosystem where they have unique ecological problems with invasive species. And we can create a whole new Mia's menu 
based on that locale and then have people of that locale be able to experience this gift that we're bringing them. You know, the possibilities are really endless. You know, people come and talk to us about it all the time. But the problem has been in the past that uh, I've been so busy with the restaurant, so really needed to uh, commit to change, which is actually the scary part because that's really the only job that I've had in in my entire life. (laughs) By the time I get home, I'm either too tired or too drunk uh, in order to, to do any more, you know. So, and that's another thing. Um, so I've been work, you know, I, I poured my heart and my energy and my time into sustainability and to doing things that have to do with taking care of living things around me. And then when this pandemic hit, I, I spent even more time drinking because everyone else is drinking and I know they're drinking and then we'll Zoom and whatever and I'm drinking anymore. And, and at the same time, I'm supposed to be drinking because it's a pandemic. And the numbers show that everyone else is doing it too. <laughs> So I've been so I've been sober for four whole days, and that's the glow that you're seeing. That in the shower. So, and and on top of that, I've been smoking cigarettes, and you know it's just out of control. The only thing that I do right is I eat well. I actually really appreciate hearing that because you know I, people doing everything right that can feel like, oh my God, are they not yeah. also humans? It's been terrible, but that it's not only the pandemic. So the pandemic was, it was like. It was a pandemic. It was like turning 50. When I was about to turn 50, I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this turn. And then I go sliding by 50, you know, with, <laughs> with a big cigarette in my mouth, you know, a big co-opted American spirit, you know. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been terrible. So now I've sort of put a kibosh on it. And also closing the restaurant had something to do with that, too, which right. is that I needed, I needed to be able to focus on myself. Right. And uh, to take care of myself and be able to nurture myself like I try to nurture those around me. If, if you want to feed yourself in the most sustainable way, it's important to become wealthy first. You yes, know? I know. That's the problem. It, it, it really is. You know, if, if you're living in the project somewhere, you know, and you barely have a lawn, there's so many challenges that are unique to each, personal, each person's situation. I think... The lower an income bracket you're, 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 you're from, the more difficult it becomes. And that's, that's really what my joke was about, you know? Like, if you want to eat healthy, just be rich. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, for everyone else, it's, it's, it's trickier. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I, I taught 65 or so classes to low-income, pre-diabetic uh, women in New, New Haven, mostly of color. And it was in collaboration with uh, New Haven Farms, which showed them how to to make a garden and to harvest at the same time, too. That was awesome. But, man, that was also subsidized. Right. And there's a whole lot of people and organizations involved in it, giving their time away. So it's really difficult to, to give any sort of advice to people. The problems are system, systemic. You're right. What's so important about what's going on today is that there's, there's a huge outcry from all different sectors of society for systemic revolution. Right. And that's really what's, what it's going to take in, in the food world to make a difference. You know, as long as, as, long as food uh, that is subsidized is the unhealthiest food around, so the unhealthiest food is the cheapest food, then how can we expect uh, people uh, who have very, very little money at the end of the week for food 
uh, to get healthy food. You know, right. what we should be doing is su- subsidizing all the fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Off on a tangent, for example, you know, we're having a massive problem with, with the trash. What was it, 2018, China stopped taking taking our trash. And uh, most uh, most of the recycling is not is not being recycled today. It's either going in landfills where it's cheaper or it's being incinerated where it's creating massive amounts of pollution too. There is a good example in which, you know, you have this bottle of Coca-Cola. You have this plastic that we're not going to get rid of. And meanwhile, you can get that bottle for 50 cents or 75 cents when the actual cost of that, if you charge people for what it would take to recycle this thing, should cost multiples of that. Right. And then if that soda costs more um, and that apple costs less or that, that orange costs less or that kale costs less or that brown rice costs less, then man, you're going to have a huge shift because the average person uh, who comes from a privileged background uh, doesn't realize that not eat, eating healthy for people who don't come from their background is, is hardly a thing of choice. That's ex- yeah, that's what I was getting at. So I was going to take this time of closing, Mias, to really do the hard work of aligning how I live with what I believe. I've only been eating... I've mostly been eating wild plants um, that are weeds and uh, invasive species. So they're uber nutritious, much more nutritious than anything you can get at the supermarket. The only wild, uh, animals that I've been eating are, are, are wild animals that are either super abundant or invasive species or pestilent species as well. You've seen our menu, which is a gazillion pages long. Yeah, the menu is amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a recipe you know, it's a story, and each story is about a subject matter that I care about, you know, so, and they're all recipes and stories for, from the last two decades, but I, I really need to dig deeper into it, because my knowledge is deeper, and not only that, parts of my knowledge has kind of been stilted at the same time, I really need to, to learn more before I put it out into the world, into the form of a book. What I'm going to be doing is, uh, I'm going to do more video content, maybe I'll do television, um, uh, in order to, to widen the base. So create something really, really entertaining, um, so that we can get these ideas out here, you know, expose people to these ideas, but do it in a fun way. Yeah. I think that's really important. I think it's amazing, the work that you do. Thank you. It's pretty overwhelming for a lot of people, and I think it's also important just to hear that, that everybody is you know, relearning their day-to-day existence. Yeah, I think anyone, anyone with any sort of awareness is going to be struggling during these times. Right. There, there's no way that you're not going to be struggling. I don't care if you're a billionaire or if you're, you got two bucks in your pocket, you're going to be struggling, you know. Yeah. Your, your conscience is going to be struggling. The struggle also comes from the pain that we feel because... There's so much destruction going on, but destruction is necessary for rebirth. And it's not being reborn into something that was, it's something that's brand new that we don't even know. And we're uncomfortable with not knowing what's, what's ahead and what we're going to become. 
So these are tremendously painful times for, for most people other than Trump. This is a bunch of different movements happening at the same time, also fueled by this pandemic that also split open and, 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 and made visible um, all sorts of problems. And then when you start talking about political stuff, then it becomes tricky. But I think we can navigate that to through human connection, not through division, you know, not through hate. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that uh, as far as uh, the hate and violence, it can soften. And for all of us who do feel hate and violence, we can have more of a, a Malcolm X kind of transformation, you know, and go from division to, to connection. I think that's a good, a good thought to close on. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's so great to see your beautiful face. It's so great to see your face. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bug you when we're not being recorded soon. Thank you, Alex. Bye, Ben. Bye.